WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The U.S. Attorney's Office has announced the sentencing of a Benton Harbor man in a case involving machine gun conversion devices or switches. U.S. Attorney Mark Totten said today 21-year-old Therese Burnett has been sentenced to 70 months in federal prison for being the ringleader of a group in Benton Harbor that converted handguns into machine guns. The defendant was in the business of purchasing and importing switches from China, which were delivered through the mail. He would then offer these devices for sale. He frequently discussed them on his Facebook account. He sold them to many people, including buyers in Benton Harbor and Grand Rapids. Totten said the use of switches on handguns is relatively new when he started his career in law enforcement, he rarely saw them. Today, these dangerous devices show up regularly. They pose an enormous threat to our communities, to our children, to our law enforcement officers, and to anyone who stands in the way of their indiscriminate spray. Their destructive capacity is really quite staggering. Totten said Burnett imported the machine gun conversion devices and distributed them to members of his street gang, My Brother's Keeper. He pleaded guilty to a charge of conspiracy to possess and transfer machine guns and a charge of possession and transfer of a machine gun. Six others have so far been sentenced, five of them from Benton Harbor. The sentences range from 24 to 84 months. In all, 11 people have been charged in the case. The Cook Nuclear Power Plant's Unit 1 reactor has completed its fall refueling outage. Cook Plant spokesperson Bill Downey tells us the outage lasted 32 days, which is relatively short. Although the maintenance was mostly routine, he says crews replaced a reactor coolant pump motor. Motor work was also performed on the component cooling water system, and rotors were removed and inspected on the unit's main low-pressure turbine and feed water pump. It takes about a 1,000 extra workers to get all that maintenance done. Downey says that has a big effect on the local economy. You can ask a lot of the folks that are at the hotels and, and the retail stores and, and the restaurants that uh, you get folks coming out there to, to patronize those businesses uh, both day and night. Sometimes you'll see some of the restaurants and places of business open early hours in the morning to accommodate some of the night shift workers that come off work. And I'll tell you this time around, one of the new things that we've done is we've instituted a lot of the food trucks. Food trucks have become a new thing in our area, and we had a number of them that we worked with on site. Unit 1 was re- connected to the transmission grid at 11 p.m. last night. Up next will be the refueling outage for Unit 2, which will be in the spring. Buchanan Mayor Sean Dennison has issued an open letter to the community amid controversy over the suspension of the city manager. In the message posted to social media, Dennison says rumors of a possible state takeover of Buchanan are not true. He says the city has not been contacted by the state for such a reason. Dennison then goes on to explain some of the financial challenges faced by Buchanan as revenue sharing from the state has gone down. He pointed to major projects like the new wastewater treatment plant and DPW building that the city must pay off in large sums each year. Dennison writes, quote, if you want to see Buchanan be the best it can be, call your county commissioner, call your state representative, call your state senator, call the governor, tell your state legislators to reinstate revenue sharing. He also calls for a better way for municipalities to tax marijuana businesses. Dennison says the city has taken steps to reduce spending, like suspending the thrill on the hill, but there's only so much it can do. He also writes that he's received messages in the past week that have come close to being threats and, quote, they made one thing very clear to me, just how uninformed a large portion of our community is and how much they have not been paying attention. He asks everyone to stop spreading rumors. He does not address the city manager's situation. Benton Harbor officials will meet this month with township leaders and representatives of Midwest Energy and Communications to ensure everyone's up to speed on MEC's broadband expansion plans. 
Speaking to colleagues today, Berrien County Commissioner Terry Freeling said the county's broadband committee, BC BIT, finalized the meeting date this week. A meeting with township supervisors who lent their support, both with a formal resolution or some sort of letter of support, plus a contribution from some of their own funds, whether it be ARPA or other areas in their townships or municipalities. So we are going to be holding that meeting to discuss the subgrant agreements for MEC with those townships. MEC has received a more than $20 million grant to install high-speed internet in areas that are currently unserved all around Berrien County. The company had a Berrien County and township support as it sought the funds, and its work will start next year. County Administrator Brian DeSette said the November 28th meeting will help all the township officials understand what to expect. Each supervisor will get to speak one-on-one with MEC representatives. The effort to raise funds for the new playground equipment at Silver Beach is about 72% complete. Berrien County Parks Director Jill Adams tells us the county's goal is $1.25 million. We're at the point of about 349000 still needed. So it's a big amount, and we're still at it. We're positive that we'll get there. Adams says the current equipment's about 30 years old, and the goal is to install something more accessible and modern. The Parks Department has selected a concept. The concept that we chose was due to the generous feedback that we received during our open house where we invited people in to view the playground concepts. We had 80 people come out to our open house at Silver Beach, and then we received over 200 written responses. The concept will be posted to the county's website soon. Adam says people have been receptive of the fundraising campaign, which is through the Berrien Community Foundation. The goal is to be done with fundraising by the end of the year and have the new equipment installed next year. We'll have a link at our website for how you can donate. AAA is expecting the roads and its own staff to be busy for Thanksgiving next week. AAA Michigan spokesperson Adrian Woodland tells us with a lot of people on the road, AAA will have plenty to do. Just alone in Michigan, we're expecting more than 1.5 million Michiganders to take a Thanksgiving road trip. So there will be a lot of people out on the roads. The roadways will be very busy this holiday season. And AAA expects to rescue over 360,000 stranded motorists nationwide over the Thanksgiving holiday. The most common Common reason drivers seek AAA assistance are flat tires, dead batteries, and lockouts. Woodland says drivers need to pay attention to vehicles that have pulled over on the side of the road and give them room. If your car becomes disabled and you have to pull over, get as far off onto the shoulder as possible. Turn on the emergency flashers and remain with your vehicle as long as it's safe to do so. Woodland recommends having tires and batteries checked before hitting the road next week to prevent any problems. And resolutions have been introduced in Lansing to make the state legislature part-time. State Senator Michael Weber and State Representative Brad Paquette wrote the resolutions. Under them, the legislature wouldn't be allowed to meet for more than 90 consecutive days. Exceptions would be made for extraordinary occasions, but Paquette says part-time lawmakers would be less likely to be lobbied. We also failed to pass a lot of transparency and ethics reforms um, from last week. So this is the next opportunity that we have and should be the number one priority to you know, devote energy to changing that stat about you know, 16% of the public thinks that we're in office with the, the right intentions. So a lot of energy around this, bipartisan energy. The pair of resolutions were introduced after the legislature adjourned on the earliest date since 1968 this year. Paquette says Michigan is just one of 10 states with a full-time legislature. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. The situation with civilians in Gaza has gotten more dire in the last few days. 
Doctors at the Al Shifa Hospital in Gaza say dozens of people in the ICU have died. Their oxygen supply ran out. Israeli forces say the body of one of more than 200 hostages was found at that hospital, and they're trying to root out Hamas militants that may be using hospitals as command posts. Meanwhile, U.S. officials say they're in constant conversations about how to get safe passage for the civilians still trapped in Gaza. Here's State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller. What we are working on with the Israelis, and we've had conversations about them about this in the last 24 hours, uh, is about what is the best way to implement protection for civilians in southern Gaza. And we continue to work through those details. I don't have any announcements to make about where we might land, but it's a conversation that's ongoing with the Israeli government right now. Internet and telephone services have collapsed across the Gaza Strip for lack of fuel, the main Palestinian provider says, bringing a potentially long-term communications blackout. Residents say Israeli forces dropped leaflets today warning Palestinians to flee some parts of southern Gaza. That signals a possible expansion of their operation to the zone where most of the territory's population has fled to escape Israel's bombardment and ground assault. Meanwhile, soldiers continue searching for traces of Hamas in Shaifa Hospital in the north. They displayed guns they say were found hidden in one building, but they have yet to release any evidence of the central Hamas command center that Israel has said is concealed beneath the complex. Hamas and the hospital deny the allegations. Meanwhile, IDF officials say they have identified the body of a hostage that was found inside the Gaza Strip during its ongoing ground operations. Here's ABC's Patrick Revel in Tel Aviv. The IDF says they found the body of 65-year-old Judith Weiss um, close to the Al-Shifa hospital. They say that they found her in a structure, but they also found Hamas weapons, including RPGs. They say that the, her body was taken back to Israel and she was identified there. She'd been kidnapped along with the other 239 hostages during the October 7th attack. New York Republican Congressman George Santos says he will not seek re-election following a scathing House ethics report. Here's ABC's Jay O'Brien. They allege that Santos lied about loaning his campaign hundreds of thousands of dollars, took about you know, $20,000 out of his campaign accounts, also used campaign money to pay off credit card bills that came from extravagant shopping sprees at Hermes, they allege, and Ferragamo, and hotel stays in Vegas to the tune of thousands of dollars as well. There's even a transaction on there that is, quote-unquote, small transactions related to what investigators say were OnlyFans accounts. A New York appeals court judge has paused a gag order that barred Donald Trump from commenting about court staffers in his civil fraud trial. The trial judge had imposed the gag order last month and later fined Trump $15,000 for violations after the former president made a disparaging social media post about a court clerk. In his decision today, Judge David Friedman of the state's intermediate appeals court cited constitutional concerns about restricting Trump's free speech. He issued the stay of the gag order, allowing Trump to comment freely about court staff while a longer appeal process plays out. President Biden says his summit meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping was, quote, some of the most con- constructive and productive discussions we've had. Both leaders have agreed to resume military to military communications, but Biden himself risked undoing some of the bridge building at the summit when he was asked at the end of yesterday's news conference whether he would still refer to Xi as a dictator. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden was touting progress with China after his four-hour meeting Wednesday with China's President Xi. But when asked at the end of his press conference last night if he still thinks Xi is a dictator, the president said he's a dictator because of the form of government he runs. The Chinese had pushed back, calling that comment, quote, extremely wrong and irresponsible political manipulation. National Security Spokesman John Kirby on ABC was asked if there was concern the president's comment would undermine progress. No, no concern at all. I mean, uh, 
we had a really good set of discussions yesterday, George, on a lot of topics. Karen Travers, ABC News, traveling with the president in San Francisco. And Major League Baseball owners have voted unanimously to allow the move of the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. The team will be leaving its home of many decades. After the meeting, the mood was somber and not celebratory, says ABC's Alex Stone. Oakland A's owner John Fisher is calling this an incredibly sad day, saying the team had no choice but to make the move to Las Vegas after years of trying for a new stadium in Oakland. The team will leave behind generations of fans who grew up with the A's, going back to names like Goose Gossage, Ricky Henderson, and the Bash brothers, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. Fisher says there was no way to stay in Oakland. And did everything we could to try and find a solution there. The A's deal in Oakland runs out in 2024, but the team could stay for a while until a new stadium in Las Vegas is ready in 2028. Alex Stone, ABC News.